You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how our Friday show today. Remember, a little bit shorter, so we'll try and get in and out. Uh, still give you. Some, some good insight as we can. I'll do my best on that. And we're going to get to a lot of your questions today. And uh, I got a couple that I really like. And so I want to start out this conversation about potential offseason moves, reminding you that free agency and the draft aren't the only ways, or at least players who are free agents right now are not the only way the Packers can add talent. And I'm going to let Brandon take it from there. Hey, Peter. What's happening? It's Brandon in Alabama. I just finished the uh, Super Bowl cover show, and I was I was wondering, I mean, uh, I heard your your take on Sammy. But um, Sammy Watkins is still a pretty young player and was a premier pick when he got drafted by Buffalo. He suffered a few injuries here and there and was classified as injury-prone for quite some time. but. He's been pretty healthy out in L.A. and then now in Kansas City, and he's still got top speed. Kansas City having so many of their guys locked up and them not being able to obviously keep everybody around, I was wondering if uh, you don't think somebody like like Sammy Watkins, uh, a former number one, could come into a Matt LaFleur offense with Devontae being our, our you know golden goose still and be – Super, super, super productive in this offense. You know, I just wanted to hear your take on that. Uh, appreciate what you do, Peter. Go Pack. There are a number of intriguing players who could be cut for salary cap reasons that Green Bay could have interest in. And Sammy Watkins is at the top of that list. Kansas City could save $14 million in 2020 by releasing him. And that's with a $7 million dead cap hit. It is a huge salary cap burden for them. They set up that contract with the idea that they could still use that deal, use that savings, and create space for Patrick Mahomes, who's going to get upwards of $40 million. Sammy Watkins, still only 26 years old, and two years ago, Brian Gutekunst and the Packers had interest in Sammy Watkins. That was Gutekunst's first year on the job, and you know maybe he was looking to make a splash. They ended up not doing anything uh, at the receiver position per se. They brought in Jimmy Graham instead, and we all know how that turned out. It was not great for them. Sammy Watkins, 
played for Matt LaFleur in Los Angeles with the Rams and Sean McVay, so there is at least a little familiarity there. Sammy Watkins also shouted out Devontae Adams after the Super Bowl because the deep route that that they beat Richard Sherman on was a variation of the play the Packers used to beat Richard Sherman deep in the NFC Championship game that Devontae Adams ran. Sammy Watkins is a young player with juice, with big playability, who knows the offense. Now, he is not a reliable number one receiver anymore and was never really that. He went through some some streaks in Buffalo where he looked like he could be the best receiver in the league, has not been able to stay healthy and has not been able to maintain his consistency. He is a unique dude and I think would be a fit in Green Bay because he wouldn't be asked to do everything. A couple other players worth mentioning. Taylor Gabriel is someone who is basically the budget version of Sammy Watkins. The, the Bears would save $4.5 million, and Gabriel can get down the field, played with Matt LaFleur in 2016 with the Falcons, and so there is a familiarity there as well. Not as dynamic, not as explosive in terms of throw the ball to him and he can go make a play as someone like Sammy Watkins, but if what you want is a veteran and you want some flexibility to still go get a draft pick, this is important. If you, if you pay Sammy Watkins... Maybe the appetite to go draft a young receiver lessens, and maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe what you want is a a bargain option at receiver to bring some versatility, to bring some dynamic ability down the field, which is where Taylor is the best. That is what Taylor Gabriel does at his best is create down the field. And if you can put him in that Marquez Valdez-Scantling spot, he can, he can be more reliable than MVS otherwise would be and for a lot less than it would cost to go get someone like Robbie Anderson. And one more name I want to throw out there because he also has a connection to the Packers and is likely to be cut this offseason. Not a receiver, Marcel Darius. He had one of his be- it was his best season to date in 2013 with Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator while well, he was the head coach, but also uh, was, was a major part of the defense that was outstanding in that 2013 season, and he is going to save the Jaguars $20 million with his release, expected release, this offseason. I think he could be had on a reasonable price at that sort of Mo Wilkerson price point. And the fact that he is a nose tackle, really. He moves well for someone who's you know 330-plus, but the Packers only want to play two defensive linemen most of the time. So if you're going to put someone next to Kenny Clark, you want them to be able to hold up. Dean Lowry's not that guy. We've seen Tyler Lancaster, not really that guy. He can, he can give you five, eight snaps a game. What you need is someone who can give you 40 snaps a game and who can play inside, especially on early downs, and be that run-stopping force next to Kenny Clark who can penetrate, take up blocks. You want someone else who can command a double team. If you put Marcel Darius one-on-one with a lot of guards and centers in this league, he's going to win that matchup. And he's not the player he used to be as a pass rusher, but he can still do some things to help this team. I think he would immediately be the second-best defensive lineman on this team. And from that standpoint, it would make sense for Green Bay to get him good value, familiarity with Petten's scheme, and the price would still allow you to go and do other things in free agency if you wanted to. All right, let's move on here. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? It's Brad from Mount Pleasant. What do you think of Akeem Davis Gaither as an alternative to a first-round linebacker? So I don't want to step on the discussion we're going to have about these linebackers next week, 
I haven't studied the full class or, or the top 100 kind of players that I think Green Bay is going to be interested in. But I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. It is a good test of what the Packers think of the off-ball linebacker position this offseason because they haven't spent significant resources to bolster it. Fourth-round pick on Blake Martinez. They did trade up to get Oren Burks in the third round, but they've never really shown a lot of interest in linebackers in free agency. And Ted Thompson basically didn't care about the position for a long time. What are they going to do here? If Kenneth Murray is there, that's the guy that I would be I would be targeting. Patrick Queen, I'm I'm understanding why why people are so high on him. I am less high on him than others. And Isaiah Simmons is not going to fall. After that, there is a huge gap. A huge gap in talent. And there really isn't outside of those three guys that I mentioned, another player who is a consensus top 70, top 80 pick. And that means you're probably not going to get someone in the second round. And in the third round, it's it's going to be, you know, pick your poison. Are, do you like Troy Dye? Do you like Malik Harrison? Are you in enough on Akeem Davis Gaither that you can use a third round pick? Or might he be there in the fourth round? It's not crazy to say, if, the, if you're the Packers, we don't think the position is that important. And if there is a defensive lineman that can eat up blocks we actually don't think it matters that much who is behind those guys because Kenny Clark and you know let's say it's Darius let's say they sign Leonard Williams someone like that that they don't think it matters that much or they in the first round they're able to to find a really good defensive lineman maybe that is a a route worth taking I, I think in order to view it from that standpoint though you'd have to be comfortable with either Oren Burks, remember Curtis Bolton still on this team, one of those two guys stepping forward, both at various times were in position to start before injuries set back their development in the case of Curtis Bolton, cost him his season. I think in order to wait, and I some of those guys are, are potentially starting caliber players, but in order to feel comfortable waiting, I think Green Bay would have to do something in free agency. It doesn't have to be Nick Kwiatkowski. It could be some other bargain basement veteran linebacker who's only going to cost, you know, a couple million. And then you you feel comfortable waiting because this guy that you sign can step in and give you something. That would be the situation that I that I could see developing. But it would have to be under those kinds of circumstances. If they go into the draft and they only have those guys and they're not comfortable with Oren Burks and Curtis Bolton, and they may be, we don't know. They may be. If they aren't, I don't think you can just go into the draft and say, well, you you wait until the fourth or the fifth and just let everything play out for you. No. Presumably some of these other things have been addressed. Maybe they sign a receiver. And then it makes it easier to justify a high pick on a linebacker or even reaching for a linebacker. I'm, I'm often trying to work against this idea of reaches because everyone says just take the best player. And it's just not real. Take the best player is not real. Take the most impactful player, the guy who can come in and given the opportunities, the position he plays, and the improvement that he would be over the the alternatives at that position, who is the most impactful player you could draft. So sometimes that could be a linebacker. If they feel good about their receivers, if they re-sign Brian Bulaga and the only starting job left is a linebacker and you're sitting there at 30 and you've got a 
a higher ranked player on your board, but someone else is relatively close and it's a linebacker, it's not a reach to take that guy. That is fundamentally how I feel about it. And I I don't know that I'm gonna that I'm gonna back off that position. I understand that other positions are more valuable, for example, than linebacker. And so if there's a receiver they love, even if they sign someone, yeah, because of positional value, you can take that guy and feel like if he hits the way that we think he could, he'd have more value. But all of that is part of the evaluation of potential impact and all of that stuff. So again, I, I think we we worry too much about this idea of best player available and don't think enough about fit, opportunity, and potential impact relative to the alternatives. And as we talk about these these players, we're going to talk a lot about their fitness and their athletic ability. And we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important, and I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and they've teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron, sleep is as important as anything else in his mental fitness routine. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more like sleep stories and meditation. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. All right, I want to talk about something that I, I heard from a couple different people about, and, and I got some tweets about it as well. So let's get to it. This is Jerry from Central Illinois. Just listen to your Zadarius Smith podcast. I'm going to take issue with one thing. On the travel, I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. I used to fly 30 or 40 weeks a year on my job, but you suck it up and you get it done. When I look at my W-2, I'm not looking at anywhere near what they're looking at. And they need to realize that they are very blessed to have the talent they've got and that they're making more money than 99 and 9 tenths for people in the world. So while I fall somewhere between where you are and where he is, I think it's kind of a lame excuse. Right. This was not the only person, as I said, who, who brought this up. Matthew from Cape Cod also mentioned it on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. I got a bunch of tweets about it as well. And I understand the perspective. And I, I tried to make the case on that show about how important uh, body clock is for athletes and how you really need to make sure your bodies are peaking at the right time. This is uh, this is something Tom Brady has talked about, how they trained to be peaking in the second half of the season, that they trained for the Super Bowl to be peaking in the second half of these playoff games. And those things matter. Now, do they dictate the outcome? No, but they do matter. And so when the Packers, who they, they don't know, every every player's body is different. Some of the players who went to, to San Francisco probably felt physically ready to go. And, the, you know, the point I think is valid about, well, you're a professional athlete, you're making millions of dollars, you got to give it your best. That's fine. I don't think anyone can say that that these guys didn't try. They just weren't ready. And sometimes, you know, you you want it. You you want to feel good. You want to be focused. You want to you want to execute at a high level. And sometimes you just can't. Every time I step in front of the microphone, 
or in this case, sit in front of the microphone. I want to execute. I want to give you the best content that I can. And some days I feel great and I feel ready to go and I feel like I crushed it. And then there are plenty of days, I would say most days, where I, I don't feel uh, energized. I feel like I, you, know, you really got to work to get up for it, even though I love doing this and I, I love this podcast and I love you guys. There are plenty of days where I just feel off. Or I finish up and I just feel like, man, I, I really did not execute that the way that I wanted to. And you, there are, there are a bunch of reasons why that could be. Some of them are beyond your control. And I don't, I don't want anyone to think that Zadaria Smith was making excuses for why they lost. I don't think that, that Z or anyone on the Packers believes the travel schedule was why the Packers lost to the 49ers. They got beat. They didn't play well enough. They didn't have a good enough plan, and they didn't. They didn't have the level of talent that could mask any of those things. And you know, the Chiefs, for example, they didn't play well to start the game, but they got a couple big plays. They got the turnover, and that kept them in that game. Kept them in it long enough that when the offense finally got going, they were able to take advantage. Green Bay, when their offense finally got going, it was too late. Because the defense and the offense alike got off to such slow starts. Now, part of the responsibility is on the coaches to get that going. If the Packers had felt comfortable going to no huddle, maybe that's something they could have gone to sooner in the game to give them a spark. The Chiefs changed the complexion of the second half of the Super Bowl by going to their no huddle. It's something that you hope Green Bay can do in the future. This is a learning experience for them. They're not making excuses, but they are looking for explanations. And, and I tried to spin it as a positive in terms of self-evaluation because I didn't see it as an excuse. I didn't hear him say it and think, oh, th- he thinks this is the reason that they lost. He said, no, we have to figure this out because physically, mentally, I didn't feel ready to play. And I think a lot of he, he was clearly speaking for more than just himself in that moment by saying, I don't think we as a team were ready to play. And I think the travel schedule contributed to that. I think that's a valid perspective to have and is certainly something we see in other sports. Basketball players, this happens all the time with with road trips and playing back to backs or you play the, your fourth game in five nights or play at the end of the season. It's just physically and mentally exhausting to be in that position. And it's possible that the Packers, because they had to win a lot of these games late, it's like the NBA rest argument. You're exerting more effort than maybe is necessary because you're not closing out these games the way you want to. And then even though the Packers ended up winning a lot of those games, they didn't have the same sort of juice at the end of the season that would have helped propel them forward. I think those are all reasonable things to think. But the fact that they want to fix it suggests that it's not just an excuse. It's part of the evaluation process. It's part of saying, okay, how did this happen and how can we make sure it doesn't happen? How can we put ourselves in the best position to succeed? That's the goal of any organization is to, at all times, have them ready to go. And they weren't. And yes, it is, it is an institutional failure by the Packers to not be ready to play in the two biggest games of the year against the 49ers. It's a player failure, it's a coaching failure, and it is, like I said, an institutional failure from the front office down to not have best practices in place, 
to make sure they're ready to go. Because it wasn't like they didn't have talent. It wasn't like they couldn't have done a lot of the things the Chiefs did. It's not like the Chiefs' defense is any more talented than Green Bay's. They had a better plan against the 49ers, and they executed it better. So why is that? The, the Packers trying to figure that out, and the players saying, well, maybe we alter the travel schedule, and that helps us be ready mentally and physically. I don't think should be seen as a cop-out. I don't think you should take it personally and say, well, I have to go do my job no matter what. Yeah, that's true. You have a different job. And the pressures of that job are different. And the stressors are different. And the toll that it takes on you physically is different. And so the demands on you are different. You, you cannot compare an office job or really any other job to what a professional athlete does. It is just so different. The schedules are different. Everything is different. The work environments, the, the pay structures, everything is different. And so it is fair to both say that it is unacceptable for them to have not been ready to play in these games and still say that it is okay to look at every possible way that they can get better. And, and as is the point that I make often, if the players think it helps, it helps. Even if it's just the placebo effect. If they go into the game and if they leave a day or two earlier and they feel like that is going to put them in a better position to be, for, be more focused and, and play faster and they go into the game more confident, then even if it didn't actually help them in a literal brain chemistry kind of way or a body composition way, that confidence could be the difference in a, a mediocre start and a good start. And that could be the difference between winning and losing a football game. All right, we're going to be back next week. A lot more to get to. Remember, Mock Draft Monday. We have a big series coming up. We're calling it the Ultimate Crossover Event, a discussion between me and the rest of the NFC North Locked On hosts talking about the NFC North and what's going on in the division, previewing the offseason, talking about the season that just happened, and what to look forward to in 2020. So a lot of cool stuff coming your way. We're going to try and get some more draft interviews coming, and we're already coming up on the Combine. So we're going to, we're going to keep looking at these players. Our linebacker series is the next offseason report card. I will dive in further on these, these potential draft picks, and we will see if we can find an Akeem Davis-Gaither or someone in the later rounds who Green Bay could be looking for to jumpstart uh, a much-needed athletic infusion of talent at the linebacker position. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.